Well, again, great to see all of you. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, let me invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I remember when I was living in California, uh, we were constantly being reminded of the need for a good foundation to our buildings. Uh, when I was there, uh, it seemed as though every single year there were either uh, devastating earthquakes or, or floods or sometimes a combination of both. And it would be so sad to watch the news and, and to see the multitude of, of buildings that were ruined by all of these types of natural disasters. And so you, could, you can imagine, uh, whenever you, you go about building something there, it's very necessary uh, that you build with an eye towards the possibility of a flood or the possibility of an earthquake. Uh, careful soil uh, tests need to be done. They examine very carefully the, the ground. They, they look at uh, all the different uh, fault lines and those types of patterns. Right? All of these procedures uh, are done and need to be done to reassure that the foundation of that building that you're, you're constructing is going to stand. You know, and actually living in Israel is very much the same. If you've ever visited there before, uh, the climate is actually really similar to Southern California. Uh, it's very dry for the most part. And so uh, when it rains, the land can only really absorb so much. And so if it's heavy rain for a really extended periods of time, it can very easily turn uh, into a flood situation. And so again, when you are building in areas like this, you need to do so with severe caution and precision to make sure that your house can withstand anything that might come its way. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles open now to Matthew chapter 7, what we're going to see today is that Jesus paints a very similar picture for us. And what he's going to teach us through this passage today, through this parable, is, is that how we approach building a house has a lot of parable, uh, parallels with, with how we should go about approaching living our lives. That actually, uh, Jesus says that every single one of us is, in a sense, building a house by how we choose to live that we are all building our lives on something. And the question that goes along with our building is, will the house of my life stand firm? Well, today we're going to be, be reading, starting in verse 24. Uh, but just to give you some, some background, uh, right before this story, we see uh, this theme building. This, this comparison in, in contrast where Jesus is essentially breaking down humanity into two different categories. And he starts doing that in, in verse 13, where we see that he actually shares about two different types of gates. One is wide and one is narrow. But these gates, they also lead to, to two totally different destinations. And he says that we all choose to go through one of these gates with our lives. And then in verses 15 through 20, Jesus talks about two different types of trees, that there are healthy trees and that there are sick trees. And the reality uh, is that these two different types of trees produce very different types of fruit. 
And then in verse 21 through 23, he talks about two uh, types of people who claim that they're working for the Lord, but who receive two different kinds of responses from the Lord based on the position and the condition of their hearts. And then our our text today, we see, or we're going to see Jesus talk about two different kinds of home builders. But the result of their building gets very different results. And in all of this, uh, the majority of this chapter really, Jesus is saying to anyone who would listen that there are some people who are right with God and there are some who just think that they are right with God. There are some who follow Jesus and some who just think that they follow Jesus when really their hearts are really far from him. There are some people who know about God and others who actually have a real, true, genuine relationship with God. And so what this parable is going to do for us today, I think it's going to really truly confront us. It's going to ask us, Is Jesus central to my life? Does my knowledge of God actually make a difference in my life? Or uh, it's going to ask us, is Jesus uh, just more like a garnish on the side of my life? Through this parable, Jesus wants us to think, how am I building my life? He wants us to question ourselves, what am I building my life on? And therefore, where do I stand with God? And so let's begin reading this parable together. Again, starting in verse 24. Jesus says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Well, starting back in in verse uh, 24, we see Jesus paints a picture here of a man building his house. Simple enough, right? And he, he, in this man, this particular man, he is called wise. Why? Well, because he makes the decision to build his house on rock. In other words, this man goes out, he's, he's looking for a place uh, to lay the foundation of his house, and we see he digs down deep. And he skillfully lays down the foundation of his house on the bedrock. But then we we see that there's another man in this story, and we see him in verse 26. And apparently he doesn't think too too much about uh, what might happen in the future, because we see that he makes the decision to build his house on sand. He's sort of just nonchalant. Uh, There's no real regard uh, for the foundation of his house. He's just, uh, if you will, he's just sort of content with his beachfront property with the ocean view. And so, again, you have this really simple story here. Two men build houses. One is called wise and one is called foolish. 
But, but what seems to be a very simple story of two property owners who, who do some construction is in fact a very powerful spiritual illustration of two very different types of people. And so let's break down this parable together and talk specifically about these two individuals in the story. Um, first of all, who is Jesus actually even talking to and about here in this parable? Well, we see his, his audience in verse 24, and then again in verse 26, when, he, when it says, everyone who hears, everyone who hears. So Jesus is talking about, specifically here, everyone who hears his message. He's talking about everyone who, who listens to the gospel. Uh, but understand, not only are they listeners, but apparently there's a certain level of understanding or a certain level of comprehension of Jesus' teaching as well. Because we also see that along with hearing, there's at least, at least some sort of action, some sort of response to Jesus' words. You'll note that in, in those same verses, it says that uh, they both build houses. They both build houses. But even though they are both building, even though they are both actively working or responding in a sense, what we see here in this parable is that there's a tremendous difference between how they build. That is, they both build houses but they take different approaches in terms of the foundation that they build their house upon. You know, I, I was thinking about, about this just this week. You know, it's really interesting to think about foundations, uh, particularly the fact that once a structure is built, a foundation is invisible, right? Like, I'm here uh, in this church building, and under this building, there, there's most likely, or at least I hope, thousands and thousands of tons of concrete. And that's ultimately uh, what is letting the building stand. But again, once the structure goes up, as it is right now, we really can't be 100% sure what's underneath the building, what it's actually built upon. And we, we see that same idea with these two individuals that have built houses. Because besides the foundation, there's an assumption here in Jesus' story that it's actually really hard to tell these two houses apart from one another. In fact, uh, scan through the story again with me and, and look at the similarities. There's quite a few. First, we see again that both individuals decide to build a house. And, and apparently, these two build their house in and around the same location. And we know that because we see that the exact same storm hits both of these houses. Maybe they are even on the, the same street. We, we don't know. Jesus doesn't say. But here's what we're supposed to take away from this. What Jesus is comparing this to is, is two individuals who are both... Uh, involved in some sort of spiritual activity. They're both doing things for God uh, and his kingdom, or at least they're both believing or claiming that they're doing so. And perhaps these two individuals uh, even attend the same church. Maybe they even attend the same Bible study. Again, the, the point is, from the outside, 
these two are indistinguishable. They take on the same appearance. And let's get back to the storm. Because note that uh, another significant comparison is that both of these individuals uh, who have built these houses, they're both actually susceptible to the storm. And we'll talk about that a little, a little later. But at least we can start by saying that for both of these individuals, hardships come. Trials and tribulations come their way. Uh, but what happens well, the, the storm is really crucial to the story because it's at that moment when the storm comes that the in, invisible foundation that these two houses are built upon, uh, that foundation is revealed. One stands, and Jesus says the other falls. And therefore, one man is considered to be wise and the other man is seen and exposed as a fool. Now, of course, uh, you and I don't, th- don't really have to think too hard here to realize that the best option is to follow in the path and the example of the wise man. And so let's talk about what he does or what, again, makes him wise. Well, again, Jesus simply says he built his house on the rock which then leaves us with the question, what does it mean to build your house on rock? What does it mean to build your life on a solid and firm foundation? Well, uh, there are some subtle differences of opinion as to what the rock is here in this parable. Certainly, the, the case could be made, and the case is made for the rock being God that the rock is God himself. And therefore, what Jesus uh, is saying here, or would be saying here, is that there are people, wise people, who literally uh, build their lives upon God. And again, that would be wise. And certainly that is true, right? After all, Psalm 18.2 says that the Lord is my rock. So we can absolutely say our rock is God, and we should. But understand that the religious people listening here to Jesus, specifically the Pharisees, they would have said the exact same thing. They would say and and claim to believe that God was and is their rock as well. And so because of that, there's another interpretation to this, um, of this parable, that, that the rock here in this story actually represents Jesus. And again, there is truth to that reality. There is truth in the statement that Jesus is our rock, that Jesus is our firm foundation. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that Jesus is the chief cornerstone that everything else is built upon. But again, right, we know in our world there are so many people who say that they've built their life on Christ. And so I think we actually really need to take this even a step further. You see, as we look really closely at the passage, look again at what it says in verse 24. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mind and what does them, 
does them, Jesus says, that is the person, that is the person who builds his house on rock. And so I think we can safely say then that the rock here is specifically obedience to the word of God. That's the rock that Jesus is referring to here. So again, yes, God is our rock. Yes, uh, Jesus is our rock in that he is the chief cornerstone. But I believe that, that what our Lord is saying here in this parable is simply this, that his teachings or these sayings of mine, the gospel, the word of God, obedience to them should be the rock and foundation of our lives. And we see this idea taught elsewhere in scripture. In John chapter 8, verses 30 through 31, it says, As he, that's Jesus, as he was teaching, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So we see, uh, see many heard Jesus' teachings particularly in this passage. And, and what was the result? The result was uh, that they believed. They believed. And that is a wonderful thing, right? They heard, uh, they, they listened, they took in what Jesus had said to them, and they accepted it. But then Jesus says back to them, you know, listen here, listen to this. If you continue in my word, then you are my real disciples. In other words, uh, being a follower of Jesus doesn't stop at just the hearing and believing. It also requires continuing in obedience to the word of God. That what we verbally claim is meaningless if action doesn't follow. That's what Jesus was saying here. And so let's not deceive ourselves of course, we need to listen to and, and take in the word of God. But then we have to build our lives around and upon those truths. That's the key here. The apostle John later affirms this in his uh, first epistle as well. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. He writes this, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he, that's Jesus, walked. So here is the reality for us today. If you go around claiming to be a Christian, but there is no evidence of obedience to Jesus and the gospel, then Jesus says first, you're a fool. But second, we see here in John that there's actually no legitimate salvation for that person as well. The wise person listens to Jesus, and then he is also obedient to Jesus and his teachings. That is the rock and the solid foundation 
that we see in this parable. And so I, I want to encourage all of us to simply look at our lives, to take time to examine our, ourselves and our hearts. And, and when you do, let me ask you, do you discover a, a life that longs beyond any other desire to first know Jesus, but also to obey his words? And, and I'll, I'll add, add this thought as well, just because I think it's really important, that really I think the only validation that you and I could ever have of our salvation is a life of obedience. Uh, it, it is really the only possible proof that you and I have surrendered our lives to the Lordship of Christ. You know, it might even be worth it for you uh, to, to write this down, that obedience is the only validation. In other words, it's the only evidence of salvation. And so what, is that, what does that actually look like? Well, we, we've used this term in the recent past, not too, far, not too long ago. Uh, and certainly you're going to hear me uh, use this vocabulary a, a lot. But what we're talking about here, uh, or, or what we're talking about here is, is being a person who is gospel-centered. It's a person who has a, has a biblical view of themselves and a biblical view of the world. It's a person who has a, has a biblical attitude towards morality and striving for purity. Being gospel-centered means uh, to have a biblical attitude towards their, their words or a person's words, meaning they're slow, careful, uh, and wise in, in how they speak and when they speak. A gospel-centered person pursues a life of imitating Jesus. Uh, their, their motives are above reproach. And they have a, a kingdom view when it comes to their money, their, their time, and their possessions. Right? We could go on and on and on with what this looks like. But again, Jesus is saying, uh, if your life, if your life is committed to obedience then you're on the rock. And, and how does that happen, right? That's a good question that would lead to that or come next. How does that happen? Um, well, uh, I, hope, I hope this is, this is really clear, but um, certainly this doesn't happen by accident, right? I, I love the parallel passage of this parable uh, in Luke chapter 6, 47 and 48. Uh, again, Luke tells us this same story from Jesus of the two builders. And in his, in his account, he says this, that the wise man, what did he do? He uses this language. The wise man dug deep, dug deep. He dug deep to lay the foundation for his home. In other words, it takes an intentional, and it takes a, a surrendered person it takes sacrifice. It's a person who has counted the cost and, and understands that Jesus is everything. And of course, right, we know there's nothing easy about digging a deep foundation, right? It's hard and laborious, uh, but it is non-negotiable for the person who wants to live their lives for the things of Christ, and ultimately, why do we, why do we dig deep, right? Why, why would we do that? Well, well, certainly it's not out of obligation, but it's because of love. 
because we desire to, to do right and to live our lives according to God's standards because they are good and because he is good. We do this because we love him and because we know that he loves us. But it's the opposite for those who choose to build their lives on sand. Right? We know that they are not concerned uh, at all with, with counting the cost or with denying themselves. Uh, they want to go towards their own ideas and their own goals. They follow their own self-will and, and their own desires. Ultimately, they live to fulfill their own purposes and to make their own path. You see, the, the sand in the parable represents a, a man-centric perspective of the world. Uh, It's a system that is based on what I believe is best for me. Whatever will meet my desires and whatever will fulfill my dreams. And I think it makes a lot of sense to call that sand, right? Because those things are always changing. There's There's no stability in that. It's constantly moving. Sand is always really shifty. And so is a life uh, that is me and you centric. But this was the Pharisees. This was the religious people of Jesus's day. They had no regard for purity of heart or for genuine obedience to God. They were merely uh, committed to the spiritual structure that they had set up for themselves. Right? Sure, we know that they that they prayed, they, they fasted. They even gave money, right? But they only did those things as a public show to parade their holiness and to try to enhance their own reputations. You know, another simple way to say that is they had an external religion, but no care or concern for internal heart change. They had external religion. They were doing outward things, but they had no care or concern for the internal things like true heart change, their lives, therefore, were built on sand. And sadly, uh, this is too often the same reality today. Thousands, right? We don't know. Maybe millions around our world uh, claim to, to know Jesus and to believe in Jesus with their mouths, but there is uh, no real foundation to their belief. There's no real pursuit of trying to live like him. And so this is the person who builds their life on sand. This is the person that Jesus said is a fool. They hear Jesus's words, but they don't act on them. Or the acts that they do make for him are really for themselves. Well, uh, what is the conclusion to all of this? Right? What is the result of building your life on rock as opposed to building your life on sand? And the key to, to, to understanding that is really to understand the storm that falls on the two houses. It's in verse 25 and verse 27. For both houses, it uses the exact same language. It says this, And the rain fell, and the floods came, And the winds blew and beat on that house. And so what is this storm? 
What does it represent? Well, I think there are actually two layers here. I think first and foremost that Jesus uh, is referring here to the final judgment. That is, uh, the storm here is God's just judgment for our sin. And I believe that because of the context of this passage. Because Jesus refers to the coming judgment all throughout this chapter. In verse 13, when he's talking about the two roads, uh, he says that the wide road leads to destruction. In verse 19, uh, he says that all of the trees that don't bear fruit will be, what, thrown into the fire. And then in verse 22, he says that there are those uh, who, who Jesus will actually tell, depart from me, I never knew you. That they'll say, I've done all these works for you. I, I, I've, I've done all these good deeds for you. But Jesus will look at them and say, no, leave me. Uh, I have no relationship with you. And now he says here, the storm is coming. We don't know when, but it's coming. And so you better examine your life. You better look at your heart, because not all foundations will withstand the storm. So again, I think the storm is, first of all, a picture of God's coming just judgment. But second, I think it's also clear that it represents the the testing trials of life, that the storm represents the testing trials of life. Of course, we know this, right, that there are storms of disappointment, Uh, There are storms of of failures and doubts. There are storms of fear, storms of pain, uh, rejection, and loss. And there are even storms of life just simply not going the way that you wanted or expected it to go. And Jesus says, both houses will experience this. In other words, both houses will the one built on rock and sand, both houses will will shake a little bit and they will sway. They will both feel the wind. They'll both, in other words, both individuals are both going to experience the harshness of this world and trials of, of many kinds. And there might even be moments where we wonder if we're going to make it through, if we're going to last But ultimately, if our houses are built on the firm foundation, if our lives are built on the rock of the gospel, if they're built on the word of God and faithfulness to Jesus' teachings, we will not fall. Listen, listen. When the storms come, when the storms come, not if, Uh, you will feel it. Tears will come. You might doubt. Uh, You might feel uncertain. But if you have centered your life on Jesus in the gospel, you will stand firm. You will be safe from the storms of life. But the other message of this parable is that when we build our lives on anything other than Jesus and his words, our lives will ultimately fall apart. 
And notice this as well. Notice that the house that's built on sand, it doesn't just fall over right when it's built, right? That's not what happens, right? At first, uh, you kind of picture this, right? It probably looked nice, right? It's, it's sitting there right on the sand, right? And, and there are times when, when we are living for other things or people are living for other things other than Jesus, and it can be a season where at least it has the appearance that life is really good. Life is good, even without Jesus, right? Family seems to be doing well. You have good friends. You got money in the bank. Uh, you enjoy the work that you do. You're able to take some nice vacations, right? Life seems good. But Jesus says, if your life is built on sand, that the fall of your house is inevitable. Again, it might not be right away, but it will happen. Either the harsh trials of this life will come your way and your life will fall apart, right? You will suffer a great crash, or even worse, even worse, you will make it through this life seemingly okay without Jesus or just going through the motions with Jesus. But when you stand before God someday, he will say that he doesn't know you because you built your life on yourself and for yourself. And so here's the reality today. Every single one of us builds our lives on someone or something. And so right now, in this moment, I want to ask you to search your heart and ask God, what have I built my life on? Ask him, God, what is the foundation of my life? And if it is anything other than his word and obedience to it, if it's anything other than a gospel-centered life, I pray that you would repent, that you wouldn't just know about God, but that you would actually have a true relationship with Jesus that aims at seeking and obeying his truth. And if you do that, if you do that, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you apply his words to your life, if you commit to live for him, to love him, to build your life on him, if you build your life on the rock, Jesus says, you will not fall. And so church family, I, I plead with you today, Wherever you are, I plead with you, check your foundation. Check your foundation and commit to building your life on obedience to the gospel and on the only one, Jesus Christ, who can guide you through all of the storms of this life and safely welcome you home. Will you pray with me?